Meanwhile, recorded live from the Lava Lamp Lounge, it's somewhere in between a radio zine. News, music, culture, stories, and more. This show is what we make of it, and hopefully you'll join us in the fun, too. Now let's get started. And welcome to a Supernatural Radio Noir. It's issue 51, The Adventures of Marcus Little, part 4. After a point, writing becomes basically mechanical, a sort of labor that needs to be done just to kind of get you over the finish line. Because in reality, in my experience, real writing only happens when you're revising. And so much of what became of the story of Marcus Little really began to take its final form in that revision process that I kind of consider those early days where I was just kind of getting the structure down and getting words on the page, uh, almost like not part of the creation process. Uh, I had a, a rough outline that I was working from, and I was really just trying to hit that word limit. Uh, and uh, the reason why was because I wanted to do a few different kinds of references in the story, and I wasn't quite sure how to fit them properly without a little bit of hindsight to kind of work all that stuff out. Uh, and so um, I knew after the initial bit was done that one thing I really wanted to fit in were references to three of my favorite female detective properties, uh, Angel and the Ape, Candy Matson, and Johnny Thunder. Um, I knew right away that I wanted my story to have a bit of a passing of the torch quality to it. And I also wanted the adversaries to be people who could get the best of Marcus uh, in a way that made sense. And so I knew it had to be other detectives. And then very quickly, three of them came to mind. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's probably where you may have heard those names before. Uh, I mean, there's other references like that in the story as well. I'm, I'm kind of prone to these kind of pop culture, zeitgeisty kinds of things. Uh, but I want to, you know, kind of mess with them and turn them around. Uh, case in point, Itty being the ghost instead of an alien. Itty's a reference to a Green Lantern comic book, if you hadn't tracked that one down. Uh, Fred and Barney, I hoped, was a little bit obscured enough to where it wasn't exactly obvious. Uh, but I did like that I had a backstory for them that uh, in their particular gang, as soon as both of them had joined up, people realized what their names were and decided to pair them together because of that. I kind of enjoy little in-jokes like that. Greg and Merlin was a little more obscure because, uh, well, I'm a big podcast listener, and they are both podcast figures that uh, I don't really listen to as much anymore. Uh, but when I was writing this, I certainly did. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so uh, they, they made an appearance as, uh, well... A couple of uh, friendly chaps trying to make a living. 
Which reminds me, uh, I should probably get into character because, uh, well, Dex needs to make a living, as it were. So, uh, <clears throat> where was I? With enough patience, the world tends to reveal itself to you, but it also requires the right kind of observational skills as well. You can't just walk into a room and expect it to tell you what happened. You have to finesse it. You have to talk to it. You have to look at every corner, find the tiniest little clues that reveal the larger picture better than anything anyone could directly say to you. That is, if they tried. With Mr. Randy Stone, I knew quite a bit, fortunately, from his newspaper outings and columns and pieces. His photography's everywhere all over the paper, so it makes sense that Century City would... Uh, be familiar with his work. But right off the bat, knowing that he was here looking for clues already told me something that was really interesting. The more I watched Randy, the more that was revealed to me. For example, at the mention of Merlin's name, his ears and his eyes perked up and he paid particular attention to the things I was saying then. That's fascinating. Why would he care anything about Merlin? He seemed to perk up at the mention of Betty as well, but I didn't quite catch it then. Of course, sometimes you don't notice things until it's a pattern. It takes a while for these things to sink in, as it were. I looked at Randy and I said, I'm not sure if you're ready for the rest of this story. I mean, I think you have everything you need right now, don't you? Mr. Stone wrinkled his nose and glared at me. What are you talking about, Dexter? You've had a lot more to talk about before when the subject of Marcus Little has come up. Why so tight-lipped now? I shrugged. Maybe I don't like a rod being shoved in my face. I might be persuaded to say a lot more if we could be a little more friendly-like. Randy put the gun away and sat down. I know you know a lot more about Marcus. And I also know that you are probably aware of my interest, as it were. Retelling his stories has become rather valuable to me. And let's just say I follow almost every single lead, as it were. This absolutely tracked. Randy was particularly thorough with all of his work, and I expected nothing less from someone who is also in the business. 
but this didn't quite add up. Sure, making a few extra bucks by retelling Marcus's stories kind of fit in, but there seemed to be another motive that I wasn't quite tracking. Well, Mr. Stone, there's a little bit more I can tell you. Not in words with... This is ABS, the American Broadcasting System. It is 10.59 Standard Time. And now, let's return to Matthew Little's detective agency here on ABS, the American Broadcasting System. Sometimes working on a case reveals so much about you that you don't mind the beating you get in return for the enlightenment. But when you get hip to the fact that you've already died, the world truly reveals what is left for you to learn. From the twisted case files of A.C. Richards comes another tale of the small man with the big caseload. It's the adventures of Marcus Little. With Nate Kelly as Marcus Little and Jessica Norman as his secretary, Cindy. What happened was this. I'd gone so far down the tunnel ride that I couldn't pull out, and I'd actually wound up in the big sleep, without even noticing the oncoming train that wasn't part of the plan. This wasn't the first time taking a dirt nap, but when it happened before, my body was fine, but before I could really question it, I had managed to sleep off the problem. But now that the light from the oncoming iron horse was shining on my own storage compartment here in the morgue, it became clear that someone had pulled a lever somewhere and we were on a whole other set of tracks. If I was going to sort this one out, I was going to need to reverse engines and fast. I completely agree. Somewhere along this rocky mountain path, I'd picked up a wrong clue. And I was now so far into the woods that I might never come back, even if I do manage to sort it out. Itty had made a suggestion that made too much sense not to follow. Considering the damage done, we would need a healthy dose of luck to navigate these tracks back to the source. And suddenly the night got much, much darker. Maybe not on purpose, but yes, we should be cautious. Somewhere along the way, someone had sent me down another track that I was never meant to be on. But where? And probably the more important question, why? Clearly someone wanted me dead, and while this might well be my last case, it was worth tracking down who that someone was for my own sense of closure. I just hope things go a little more smoothly than last time. There was always somewhere to go in Century City, no matter what time of day it is. Places like the Blue Parrot were certainly shut down at this time of night, but there was the late shift crews working cleanup, and I figured Ape might still be able to help me out, given our professional courtesies. Call that a clean kitchen? It's like this was your first day or something. That's no way to talk to the person who's going to pay you at the end of the week. Now get to work. Mm. Huh? Oh, it's you again. Cool it, Itty. Look, twice in one night is very suspicious. Starts to make me think you're onto something that maybe might not be in my interest. Hmm. Something that could uh, get you into trouble. 
And the fact you keep coming to me makes me think I might get some of this trouble you're courting. See, I don't like trouble. You know Angel's policy on trouble. Hmm. Are you okay? You don't look so good. Mr. Jackson says that I'm fine. At least you finally cracked the code. What is it this time? I need to know where Betty wets her whistle after hours. Hmm. Haven't you caused enough trouble for one night? Hey, pal. I didn't even ask for this. If I'm on the level, I don't trust you either. And that doesn't mean you don't have something I need. Don't matter how bad you need it, bub. You can always have your greenback back, dig? Look, I don't have time for this. What does 40 get me? <sighs> you really need the finder? It's a matter of continued death. <laughs> I get it. After work, she usually turns down the office for a nightcap and goes to a little diner called Haps, where she likes to read and sip tea before calling it a night. That's what I was thinking, Eddie. A little too convenient. It was starting to turn into one of those nights where everything unfolds again back over itself. But this time, all out of order. Like a bad dream reshuffling itself each time you endure it. I started to wonder how long I would last like this. I could clearly interact with the world, but being dead was only going to become a nuisance eventually, and I only hoped that, wherever the night led me, I didn't have to return to that dreadful hospital. <coughs> well, you can go back, just not me. <coughs> Before I even had to try, I could see Betty stretched out in a booth all to herself sipping on something in a mug as she shoved her nose in a book of Argentinian short fiction. I asked Itty to keep it quiet and move towards her silently, and even managed to slip into her booth without being heard for a moment or two. I stared at her through the book she was reading, and eventually her eyes met mine over the edge of the page. Excuse me, I'd like to be li Oh, it's you again. Sorry to ruin your evening, such as it is. Don't you feel the least bit guilt over interrupting my story? It was just getting to the good part. It's not like I go nosing my way into your tale every time things get boring. Every part is good if it's written well. That's not the point. Can I get you more apple juice, ma'am? I'm actually having tea, thank you. And for you, sir? I'll try enthusiasm again and see where it gets me. Again? But you just... Never mind. Black coffee, thanks. Are you okay? You look terrible. I mean, not in a, I'm just saying kind of way either. You look really bad. Quickly? Why are you here? Didn't you go to the morgue? Why did you send me there? Well, didn't you feel compelled to, I don't know, move on or something? To where? Cleveland's not what it used to be, babe. No, I mean, oblivion or whatever. Heaven. You, you realize you're dead, right? What sort of game is this? I'm not blind. I saw the body. Okay, that's good, but nothing happened? And what was supposed to happen? <laughs> Quiet, Itty. Uh, we're out of chili, sir, but if you want to wait, the breakfast menu will be up in a few minutes. Maybe I can get you some coffee or something. That's fine. I wasn't really hungry anyway. And it looks like we're out of chamomile, ma'am. I'm actually already drinking some. Thanks. Let me get this straight. You don't want anything? Oh, but we do. But I'm just not sure if it matters anymore. That's it. I'm taking my break! You were saying? I don't know why you're still here. I usually don't see them again after I send them to the morgue. Why? What happens? And, and them? 
What do you mean, them? What happens? There must be an echo in here. You just don't get it yet, do you? You should have gone to the afterlife. All of them should. But for some reason, a lot of you just wind up in my club, watching me sing, wanting to talk to me, wanting to know what to do next. It's like you don't know what's happening and you need a guide or something. Tell me how this explains things to someone in my situation. When it first started happening, I didn't know what to say. All these dead people clogging up the building, getting in the way of the customers, trying to find some eternal rest. I just started sending them to the morgue. It was just a place to send them, you know? Pretty soon, the dead never came back. New ones would show up, but once I sent them to the morgue, they never returned. What's your connection to Mariner? Connection? The only reason I know what you're talking about is a story I read in the paper. Hospital, right? Closed down now, yes? Last time you said you came from there with a book of matches... That had your name on it. Look, Little, I do a lot of work. Singing, ghost herding, dancing, you name it. I have a stack of these matchbooks I hand out to clients and friends and... Well, you know. Chances are one of the gang members that was holed up at the hospital was watching me one night, chatting me up for some, uh, reason. Here's your black coffee. Your chamomile tea will be up shortly. Thank you. I thought you were on a break. Just be thankful I'm even still working here. Oh, so you do work here? Leave him alone, Betty. I'm starting to get the picture. Who had my body brought up to the morgue just after you sent me there? That's awfully convenient timing, don't you think? What's his name, Betty? I swear to you, I'm just a singer in a nightclub who likes hot beverages and magical realist short fiction between the dead people constantly interrupting me. I'm not some mastermind who is trying to ruin your day or even your night. I'm just someone who had to deliver some bad news you didn't want to hear and apparently still don't. I'm sorry you're dead, but you were dead long before you came into my nightclub, pal. Yeah, I get it, Itty. She's clean. Thanks again, Betty. If you don't wind up in the afterlife, come and see me sometime. I usually shake up the set once a month. Betty was clean. Her aura gave it away to Itty, but I could hear it in her voice, too. After years of doing this gig, you start to get good at a few things. She was right. I mistakenly found the matchbook and took it to be a clue. And it was, probably, but to a different case, and one that I would never need to solve. Betty only led me to where I needed to go, but it wasn't the case I was on, that's for sure. If I wanted to find out how I got the way that I was now, I would need to speak to a couple of ghoulish gents who like to spend time in morgues. In fact, tracking them down might just become a deadly matter. When Marcus Little is on the case, he's lucky if he can turn a mountain into a manageable molehill. Hopefully he can do just that when we return to the adventures of Marcus Little, right after these messages. Hey kids, if you ever had this happen to you, it's the morning, you're hungry and looking for something fun to do. What you need is a cereal that comes in a bag and features some sort of secret prize inside. And there's only one place to get it. Not from that silly brand X which comes in a box and only has recipes for a treat you have to bake in the oven. No, what you need is Zeros, the cereal with a special prize in every bag. Just look for the giant zero on the bag which tells you there's nothing in this cereal you or your parents will ever worry about. That's Zeros, the one kids ask for by name. Zeros gives me the energy to play longer than the leading brands. 
When I wake up before my parents, I rely on a bowl of zeros to make sure they can sleep through the morning and I can get the vitamins and nutrients I need. When it comes to breakfast in the morning, zeros is tops in my house. With the toys that come inside of bags of zeros, I can trade and swap with all my friends to get the entire set. Yes, your kids are already clambering for a cereal that tastes good and entertains them too. With new zeros fueling them in the morning, you'll see a smile on their faces that will be on yours too when you see how little zeros will impact your budget. That's zeros. Ask for it at your local chemist shop or pharmacy. Hello, ABS listeners, and especially those of the female persuasion. And you men in the audience, uh, please listen closely too. Uh, We know that we're lucky to have you as listeners to this and other ABS programs, and that's why we'd like you to add Dixon Fontaine's radio game show to your listening schedule, whether you're male or female in the listening audience. On Dixon Fontaine's radio game show, contestants will answer questions and compete for cash and prizes as we test their knowledge of popular culture. But each wrong answer not only reveals your weaknesses, but will cost you a chance to win big on Dixon Fontaine's radio game show. Tune in to hear the excitement, and for your chance to become a contestant too. Dixon Fontaine's radio game show. Now, for both men and women. The Adventures of Marcus Little features Nate Kelly as Marcus Little and Jessica Norman as Cindy Baumgarten. Featured in the cast were Jill Honstein as Candy Matson, Heather Sadowski as Johnny Thunder, Sean Royal as Mort Linger, Jeff Parks as Itty, Dash Thompson as Barney, Travis Doan as Fred and Ape, Tim Maloney as Parson Sanders, Don and Horace Withers, Emma Pace Jonas as Betty, David the Weatherman Wills as Merlin, and David Little Fyodor Lichtenberg as Greg. Also featured were Jason Ramey, Kelly Taylor, Jessica Ramey, Jesse Sutherland, Bella Ramey, Austin Rich, Stella Starr Schaefer, and William R. Harris. Our music was by Brendan Murray and Matt Orifice, and our script was by A.C. Richards. Your announcer was Fred Weiser. The Adventures of Marcus Little can be heard every week here on ABS, the American Broadcasting System. ABS, it's what's on. This is ABS, the American Broadcasting System. (laughs) Yay. The Adventures of Marcus Little. Part 4 of 6. Tune in for the next two weeks to get the full story. And that's going to do it for us this week here on the program. Somewhere in between, a radio zine. The Adventures of Marcus Little, Part 4. Issue 51 was written and assembled by Austin Rich. On this day, in 1992, the first text message was sent successfully. Using the Vondafone network, engineers from the SEMA group used a computer to send a message to another engineer's phone. Direct phone-to-phone texting would still come later. SEMA group 
was a Paris, UK IT company that only existed for 13 years before it was acquired and then made defunct. So if you were wondering, those who were responsible were punished for their experiments. This episode was produced by Austin Rich in the Lava Lamp Lounge and was assembled using only the finest in 20th century technology. In the long-standing tradition of most zines, there is an open submission policy here. If you have a story, music, or poetry that you'd like to send in or read, or you just want to be a part of the show, why not drop a line to austinrich at gmail.com? That's going to do it for us this week. You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. And without you, there would be no program. Be seeing you. Somewhere in between? A radio zine?